Hello, welcome to Objective Health. I'm your host, Doug. Uh, with me in our virtual studio are Erica and Elliot. And Hello. in the background, as usual, on the ones and twos is Damien. Hello. Keeping it real, keeping us tight. Good. So uh, on this episode, we are going to do another in the news where we kind of look at the, the recent headlines, stuff that's going on uh, more often than not focused on COVID as is no exception this week. <laughs> uh, if anybody has any topic suggestions for us that are not COVID-related, they can leave them in the comments below. Uh, anyway, today we are going to talk about... Um, there was This was actually uh, an article from back in April. Um, it was called Media Blackout. Renowned German pathologist's vaccine autopsy data is shocking and being censored. It comes out of, as the title suggests, Germany... Um, where there is a pathologist who has been performing uh, autopsies. Um, his name is Dr. Peter Schirmacher. Um, and he's, as I say in the article, is not just an average pathologist, goes through all his qualifications and stuff. The guy is qualified at the wazoo. Um, now, he had been working, has been working for the government doing um, autopsies on COVID deaths. And basically going through and, you know, gleaning information that is helping with the treatment of people with COVID. Um, and, but recently, well, not so recently, back in April, when he actually released this, um, he started doing uh, autopsies on suspicious deaths of people after the vaccine. So people who had had the vaccine within, like, say, two weeks or so. Um, he started doing autopsies on them. And of 40 people who had died within two weeks of receiving the COVID jab, 30 to 40% could be directly attributed to the vaccines. Um, so that's a pretty shocking finding. Um, well, probably not shocking for us here at the show and most of our listeners and viewers, but um, for the mainstream public who believe that vaccines are 100% safe, um, or even if not 100% safe, really, really safe, um, this is going to be a shocker, 30 to 40%. Now, because he only did uh, 40 autopsies, um, what he is calling for, he's not coming out and saying, oh my God, stop everything. He's saying, we need more data. We need to be doing more autopsies on deaths of people after two weeks after receiving the COVID jab. Um, <clears throat> Now, despite that reasonable request, uh, he is being um, censored and to a certain extent smeared by his peers. Um, the, even the German government came out to basically brush off his findings. Um, in the article, it says the Merkel administration quickly moved to respond to this politically explosive statement from from Heidelberg, sorry, that's a different person, but um, according to the German press agency, the Paul Ehrlich Institute announced that Schirmacher's statements were incomprehensible. The Chancellor's lackey, senior government immunologist Thomas Mertens, dismissed the findings right away. I don't know of any data that would allow a justifiable statement to be made here, and I am not assuming an unreported number. So, we're not really seeing this in the press. As this article points out, you're not seeing this, even in the alternative press. I mean, mind you, it's coming out of Germany. So if it's not in the mainstream news coming out of Germany, then 
in a lot of cases, it's not going to be very easy to find in the alternative press in the English-speaking world. But nonetheless, it's 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 not being covered, um, and we can see why. Obviously, if if this kind of information gets out and people start freaking out about the fact that uh, the vaccines are killing people um, in relatively large numbers, um, it you know throws a monkey wrench into the the entire narrative, the entire thing. People who aren't getting vaccinated are going to double down and not get vaccinated, and the people who are vaccinated are probably going to start freaking out. So, yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah. Um, well, it, his solution is quite simple. I mean, he explicitly says that he's not an anti-vaxxer, right? Mm. He, he's actually been vaccinating himself. Mm. Um, and he believes that the vaccine is, or he did believe that the Effective. vaccine is safe. Yeah, he, he believes it's effective. Um, so it's not like he has a, a, you know, an agenda or anything. It, it sounds like he has done the autopsies and has been really surprised by his findings. And all he's saying is, look, okay, we need to kind of like investigate this a bit more. We need to do some autopsies on people who, who've died within two weeks of doing the vaccine. We need to, because I think that there's 30 to 40% of them that were killed by the vaccine. Um, the only way that we can test or not, you know, the only way that we can test this hypothesis is by, is by doing the, the autopsies. Now it's, I mean, that clearly ruffled up some feathers because you have um, some high position people in the government, I believe like uh, in Merkel's government who've, who said, well, this is preposterous. You know, there's no way that this could possibly be true uh, because there's no data to substantiate it. Um, but if you think about it from from the pathologist's position, that's a that's a bizarre statement because he's asking for us to get data on it. There's not any data currently. It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Just because we don't have any evidence to suggest that it does exist, we don't know that it doesn't. Yeah. And if what he's what if if what he's saying is correct, then you know. It needs to be investigated. Yeah. Most certainly needs to be investigated. I mean, in the U.S. in the 1970s, the swine flu pandemic, they created a vaccine. They said it was safe and effective. It killed 53 people in the United States, and they stopped the vaccine. It killed 53 people. That was it. That was the criteria to stop a vaccination program. Now we're seeing 10 times that, possibly, if that's proper reporting. And there's continuing to double down, you know, which is it, it makes the paranoid even more paranoid. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. It's just crazy. Well, they've been... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say it's, it's really like just to go off what you were saying there, Elliot, it's really crazy. It's like basically he's like, guys, I think there might be something wrong here. We need more data. And they're like, you can't say there's nothing wrong here. You don't have enough data. He's like, yeah, we need more data. He's like, yeah, we don't, you don't have the data to say that. It's like, no, I'm saying that we need more data, but we don't have the data. It's just. Yeah. Well, in that same article, Twitter, meanwhile, suspended the account of a former New York Times science correspondent, Alex Brennison, for sharing details of a Pfizer clinical trial 
with similar findings, which completely obliterates the narrative of the political establishment. So it's not, now you got, you know, US getting in there too, like, mm -hmm. oh, well, this is a Pfizer clinical trial. We're seeing the same kind of things. Like the, the stuff mm -hmm. that people are getting banned for is just outrageous. You can, I can't believe it, honestly. Like the stuff people are, like that is a Pfizer clinical trial. And the guy shares it and he gets, he, you know, people are sharing BBC articles and getting banned for it. It's like people are sharing, um, what's her name? The Saki, like, you know, a, a video clip of Jen Saki saying something and they get banned for it. It's, it's unbelievable. It's like, anyway, I, that's a different discussion. <laughs> people are getting banned for it. Um, I was going to point out. But it kind of goes along with the narrative too, right? Like, uh, like if they don't want that information to get out, now they're censoring it too. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, that's okay. It plays hand in hand with, with the data is not coming because people who are sharing the data are getting censored. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely know that there's something extremely fishy going on as well because uh, like was mentioned previously about the swine, was it the swine flu vaccine? Mm -hmm. uh, 1970s, yeah. Yeah, so, so what's that, 50 deaths? Well, we see the... Uh, the vaccine adverse events uh, reporting system having or documenting uh, more reactions and deaths from the COVID vaccine alone than like every single year before it combined, right? Like the amount that we've seen this year is being absolutely phenomenal, like absolutely phenomenal. Now it's to be expected because that many people are getting the vaccine, but at the same time, there's also very good reason to, uh, to, um, con or to suspect that the vaccine adverse events reporting is minuscule. I mean, it's been estimated to be between one or between like five and 10% of what it actually is, mm -hmm. um, or between one and 10%. It could be way worse than we think it is, but at the same time, even this pathologist, I mean, he is saying that, you know, these people have naturally been um, pronounced dead from natural causes or from s some some other cause. Like, it's not been investigated at all at autopsy. They've not done the autopsy to investigate whether it was a vaccine death. So what we could be looking at is, yeah, we see that there's such a high amount of people who are getting adverse events and deaths from the uh, vaccine reporting system. But if the autopsies aren't being done, then again, this is just more evidence to support the the idea that maybe the vaccine death rate is like exponentially higher than we actually think it is. Um, so it, it's quite disturbing. And you can see why people in positions of power would not like or, or don't like to hear that, you know, and, and, and they, they, they're not going to give him kind of the time of day. Um, and he's not getting the press he deserves, uh, because yeah, that, that's, it. that's, that's, a, a failure or that that's demonstrative of a, a major public health failure. And I think that there's people who, even if it does come out that there's a, that, that the death, death rate is a lot higher than they're going to do the best to suppress that because ultimately the people will hold them responsible, you know? Well, the good news, <clears throat> kind of, kind of good news is that the, the federation, sorry, the federal association of German pathologists seems to have Schermacher's back. 
Um, they're also urging more autopsies of vaccinated people. Um, this is the only way to exclude or prove connections between death and vaccination, says Johannes Freeman, head of the Autopsy Working Group and Association. Uh, however, from his point of view, too little autopsies are carried out to speak of an unreported number. You don't know anything yet, which is Schermacher's point. Uh, general practitioners and health authorities need to be made aware of this. The federal states would have to instruct the health authorities to order autopsies on site. The Federal Association of Pathologists requested this in a letter to the health minister, Jens Spahn, in March. It went unanswered. So the Federal Association of German Pathologists apparently has been asking for them to do more autopsies, um, and their letter went unanswered. So it seems that um, the good doctor here is not the first one um, to be saying, hey, we need to be doing this, um, and it's being ignored, which is also very telling. Yeah, indeed. It's suggestive of uh, of direction from on up high, you know, that they 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 they're going to do everything that they can to resist, um, because I, I think there's people who uh, who are who are scared <laughs> that uh, that actually the numbers could be phenomenally higher than anyone expected. Yeah, and again, it, it's going to highlight the serious failure of all that were. All, of all that who should be held responsible, not only the big pharma companies, but all of the health secretaries, the government, everyone who has allowed this, who has facilitated this, who are now trying to mandate this. Mm -hmm. um, if it does ever come out, then, I mean, there will be people on the streets, or at least you'd hope that there would. Um, it's hard to tell these days how people are going to react, but you'd yeah, like to true. think that, you know, there would be, um, you know, they, they'd be flogging them in the streets. If they had a, a media that would actually report on it. Yeah, but anyway, if it came out. Yeah. Well, moving on to another article. Um, this one is quite interesting. It was uh, posted on uh, a site called The Post, which I think is just a site that anybody can get an account on and post articles on. I'm not 100% sure, but it's by Unheard, which I know is a... A, uh, a site in and of itself. But anyway, the title of it was The Most Vaccine-Hesitant Group of All, PhDs. This was very interesting. Um, Damien, maybe you could pull it up there. There's a bar chart at the top of the article, um, which really is very telling. Um, don't know how well people can see that there, but you basically have vaccine hesit hesitancy in the U.S. by education level. And at the left, you have high school or less than some college, bachelor's degree, master's degree, professional. Um, and then the final bar on the right is Ph.D. And you can see that it forms a U, right? So the most um, vaccine hesitant over at the, the left there are the least educated with high school or less, then it moves along increasing uh, education. You see um, up to master's degree, a, a clear trend of decreasing vaccine hesitancy. Then it goes up a little bit higher for professionals. And then it goes to the highest bar on the entire graph, PhDs. Now, 
I found this really interesting because generally my thinking is that the more education a person has, the longer they have been in contact with the brainwashing system that we like to call education. Um, the more that they are fed the party line, so to say, the, the narrative. Um, so generally, I think that the more education a person has, the more likely they are to believe the mainstream narrative um, on, on anything really, but in, in particular in this case on, on vaccination. Um, and that is clearly the trend up to the level of master's degree, yet PhDs are the most vaccine hesitant out of any of them. So what is going on there? And we did, um, they did uh, have more than 5 million people surveyed. So that's a pretty large study. It is. It is. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a significant finding, uh, indeed. And I was surprised by it at first. And I think for very similar reasons to you, Doug, mm. um, this idea that people go through conventional the conventional school system uh, the indoctrination system, they move up to BSc, bachelor's, and then master's degree. And essentially they become sponges and are um, uh, ha have their brains kind of absorb all of the information, which again, which comes from conventional sources, right? But thinking about it a little bit more, it does make a lot of sense why PhDs would be more... Uh, questioning and uh, would 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 think outside the box in this respect. And I think the reason is, is because up until master's degree, it's very much, a, I won't say a passive form of learning, but it, it, it's basically textbook learning, right? Mm -hmm. So you go to your lectures and you're told what is true and what is not true. And you have to memorize that and you learn that and then you regurgitate that in exams. However, when you get to PhD or doctorate level, it fundamentally changes. In fact, you become your teacher to some extent, although you've got advisors and things, and I haven't done a PhD, but I, I was looking at doing a PhD. So although you've got your advisors and, and whatnot, you are basically having to critically analyze data and form a hypothesis. That's what a PhD basically is, is you're forming a, a hypothesis and then you're, you're studying that, you're studying that hypothesis. And to do that, you have to collate a lot of data, a lot of research, and you can't be biased. You can't, you can't be non-biased. I mean, everyone's biased to some extent, but you have to try to be as objective, scientifically objective as possible. Mm -hmm. That's how you will get your PhD thesis, um, you know, signed off and you get a PhD. You need to assess all of the data and you need to be able to read research, right? You need to have a good foundation in statistics. You mm -hmm. need to be able to not only write a research paper, but also to be able to assess, to qualify, to say what is good research and what is not good research. Mm -hmm. So, ultimately someone with a phd is going to be equipped and even this can apply across different subjects really the the qualities that you gain in a phd really are applicable to many other types of subjects and although you may not be an expert in molecular biology with a uh, um, an a kind of a research psychology PhD, you will still have a better idea of how to read the um, the, the kind of um, the the quality of that study and to be able to tell you whether it's um, you know whether it's uh, reliable, whether it's valid, and whether it was conducted well or not conducted well. Mm -hmm. So overall, it would seem as though a lot of the research which we've been talking about for months. 
done on the safety of vaccines, done on the potential dangers of vaccines, done on the dangers of COVID and the safety of COVID and all of this other kind of stuff. It's there in black and white writing. And unfortunately, I think that people who are who are only educated up to BSc or MSc level do not necessarily have the capability to interpret those studies. So they outsource their information. They outsource their thinking to people who they um, who they believe um, are telling them the truth, who do have the information, who can interpret the studies. People with PhDs probably just go straight to source. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. And I think um, that, I mean, essentially what we're saying is that PhDs are actually taught to think um, versus up until PhD. And I think that that's true. Um, and I think also they're probably a little bit more impervious to, I'm thinking about when um, an, an actual scientist comes out and is blowing the whistle essentially on something um, like Schermacher, who we were just talking about, um, although he wasn't publishing a study necessarily. Um, I think that they might be a little bit more impervious to things like smear campaigns that you see in the media. When a, when a, a doctor does come out and says, or a, a study comes out, and they say, hey, here's our finding. And then all of a sudden the media just jumps on it and says, no, 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 that's BS. And, and they get their experts on there. They're talking heads talking about why it's a BS study. I mean, they're going to be a little bit more impervious to it just because they'll be able to look at the study and actually look for themselves and say, wait a second, what's really going on here? And might be able to see that, no, they're actually, this is, this is a solid study. This is something that, that or from the opposite perspective, when they you know, bring out these complete BS studies, um, that have been done to in a way that uh, just supports their own conclusions, um, a PhD would be able to look at that and say, no, that's bunk. So, I mean, I, th- I think that's pretty much what you were saying already, Elliot, not to, not to repeat what you were saying, but uh, just from a different angle. <laughs> yeah, indeed. They're taught to critically think. Right. Um, and you would think that that's what, and I think that's what many of the so-called elite education establishments do to some extent, right? Um, you know, the, um, the, the extremely expensive elite, elite schools for the most wealthy individuals in, in, in the land kind of thing, you know, Eaton Harrow in the UK kind of thing, mm. where they're breeding leaders um, and they're teaching them certain things. Um, but for the large majority of people, people don't have any real education um, in, in, in terms of their ability to critically analyze information, right? But that's what PhD students, really, they have to do to get their PhD. Um, and that's not to say that everyone with a PhD can, uh, you know, no. is going to be able to, to see through the lies. But it is interesting that, um, that this statistic has come out and it kind of has given me a little bit more faith in humanity uh, that there are people who, who are looking at the information who are questioning it. It would be interesting to see a breakdown of what PhDs are the actual hesitancy group, because I'm yeah. willing to bet that people who are in STEM fields are probably more likely to be uh, hesitant uh, versus like gender studies or I don't know sociology yeah. something something yeah. along those lines I'm thinking that those ones well you know anyway I'll leave it at that <laughs> <laughs> 
But it's also well. The end of the also, article too said that not only are the most educated people most skeptical of taking the vaccine, they are also the least likely to change their minds about it. Yeah. So you know, in that article, they kind of talked about how it's changed over time, but now it's this way. And you know, it's the whole trust the science narrative. The minute people start to kind of get an inkling that something is rotten you know, that media pressure of trust the science, trust the science, trust the science. And these PhDs are like, well, yeah, we can read the science and yeah. the science isn't showing us what you're saying. Well, that's, so. that's a good point, actually. That whole trust the science thing kind of relies on people being completely ignorant of science, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when mm -hmm. you say trust the science, it's like they, they're like, well, wait a minute, which science? It's like mm -hmm. science is not some monolithic thing that's saying one thing and being, and being dictated. Like PhDs are aware of this. Right? They know how much disagreement there is within the scientific field. So to say trust the science is just ludicrous. Right? It's, it's, it's complete propaganda. It's like mm -hmm. work will set you free. Like it's, it's really like it, it, it's just a, you know, a catchphrase. So yeah, a PhD is going to be aware of this. They're going to be able to, to, to see that, see through it. Yeah, it's completely antithetical to the philosophy of, of science. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's fundamentally incorrect. The statement is just incorrect. It doesn't work. Trust the science. Well, science, there's nothing to trust. It's a process. There's no end to it. Right. There's, there's no there's no there's no end to no. science. You know, it's continual refinement, changing in thinking, developing deeper understanding, questioning, you know, long held dogmas, eradicating everything that you think you know about something to pave way for a more complex and nuanced picture, right? And anyone who has kind of done, gone through the rigmarole of completing a, you know, four to six year PhD has really had to try to internalize that and understand that to test the hypothesis. So really, I think that anyone who understands the philosophy or the concept of science can see really that the trust the science meme is basically it's uh it's fallacious from the beginning right it's a fallacy yeah yeah well interestingly there was a an article uh in the defender uh which is children's health defense kind of subsite and this was from back in november of 2020 uh and there was this was before the vaccines actually came out and there was a a survey they said researchers from the University of California, Los Angeles, Karen Fielding School of Public Health surveyed healthcare personnel workers working in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles metropolitan area. As the Washington Post reported, they found that two thirds, 66.5% of healthcare workers intend to delay vaccination, meaning they do not intend to get the COVID vaccine when it becomes available. They plan instead on reviewing the data once it's widely administered and proven safe. So, Again, this is kind of a similar situation where the educated people, these are healthcare workers, they're the ones who are kind of saying, mm, I'm going to wait on this one. I'm not actually like going to rush out there and be first in line to get vaccinated on this. Um, so, yeah, I just thought that that was an interesting parallel. Like even before the vaccine was out, they were kind of like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not rushing out to get that one. And now we're at this point, at least in the U.S., that nurses are being fired for not having the vaccine. Yeah. So there's a lot of interesting memes going around. Like we worked through this whole pandemic when there was no vaccine, we survived and now we're getting fired or can't have our job yeah. because we're refusing it. Like, yeah. I mean, 
it's the rabbit hole for sure. Yeah, nurses were heroes not too long and ago, now, and now yeah, they're being now fired. They're, yeah, now they're anti-vaxxers, or yeah. you know, it's just it's just it's re- been reduced to um, such childish thinking, and I don't mean that as an insult to children. I just mean <laughs> that we're being talked to. Like we're dumb five-year-olds that can't see the forest for the trees. You know what I mean? It's fascinating, but it's also pretty scary, especially when you hear, you know, everyday people say, well, what you don't trust the science. And it's like, uh, not the science that they're sharing on the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're looking for uh, health advice from the mainstream media, you will be led astray. Yeah, definitely. You don't you don't uh, trust the government approved mandated science. No, I don't. Anyway, I think uh, we did have another article to talk about, but I think we're actually low on time. So maybe we're going to leave it there for this week. Uh, Did you guys have anything to add? No, don't don't trust the science. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look at science. Don't trust the science. Yeah. Words are being used to obfuscate, confuse, and create fear. And so turn off the TV, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. You'd be even more skeptical than you normally are. Uh, yeah. So. Great. Well, thanks to my co-hosts and my Damien on the ones and twos. Uh, And we will see you all next time. Uh, Be sure to like and subscribe, share widely, uh, comment if you have anything to say, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.